good, man, you know. Like a, like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the African American Man Podcast Show, The Tough Love Messenger. I am your host, King Vision. Our message and agenda is encouraging accountability, leadership among the African American man within our communities. You can find us at itrnradio.com. As I stated before, welcome, welcome, welcome to another show of the Tough Love Messenger. Before I get started, I do have to speak on the Montgomery, Alabama brawl. Uh, there's several different names, but the thing I love about our people is they got off in that ass on that day. Now, I could call it, you know, the Alabama ass whooping, uh, James Brown's favorite payback, whatever the case may be. But it's amazing how everybody on social media is talking about that. And today is the 11th. And that was, what, almost a week ago? And they're still on social media talking about that. So I, I, I couldn't start the show without uh, giving the props. Um, now we're going to talk about some of the challenges in the African-American uh, community and what they face. And as we go forward with this show, what I'd like for all of us to start to think is look at the African-American community as a body of people. But the body I'm talking about is your own body. And I'll talk about things about, you know, what part of your body, if it was 10 percent, um, if you had to give up 30 percent of your body, what part of that would you want to give up? And then the question is, would you look the same? Now, some of this is stupid comments, but if you looked at yourself as a body, you would begin to see the impact of all of the opportunities that we have and that we need to change going forward. Lady Future, let's clip it. Went down in history as the person who invented education. Just like most people think that civilization started in Europe. Well, it did not. Civilization started in Mesopotamia and the Great Kemet of Africa. Then later on, about 1200 BCE, was when civilization was reaching the Central America, the modern-day Mexico. So there's no way a white man would have invented education when the first university in the world, the University of Timbuktu, was located in Africa. The University of Timbuktu was established by Mansa Musa, who was a Malian empire and the richest man in the world by that time. Subjects like philosophy, cultural studies, language studies, advanced African grammar were mandatory. While subjects like history algebra, physics, medicine, chemistry, arithmetic, and astronomy from the Dogon people were totally optional. Students who did complete the course of study received clothes, blocks of salt, livestock, and money as gifts upon their graduation. Graduation ceremony consisted of wearing a white garment while riding a white horse. I love this to start the show um, about our history. And there's a lot more history, and there's a lot more kings, and there are a lot more queens that we should be talking about. However, Mansa Musa, uh, still today, based on today's standard, is considered to be the richest man in history. <clears throat> so I say that to say it won't be long before we start heading back to our greatness. But we do need to know our history so it's helpful for us to know who we are, where we're from, where we are, and where we're going. And we should have strong emphasis on where we're going. Lady Future, let's clip it. Buy from African industry. You say, no, we'd rather go to China. And then guess what? The Chinese will make all the products you want. Every single thing you want. By the way, everything here is made in Kenya. Everything is made in Kenya. Down to the suit I'm wearing. The Chinese will make anything you want. Any single thing you want down to your roads, down to your hospitals, down to the schools that you will take your children to be educated in, and then they will say you have to teach your children Mandarin as part of your loan agreement. <laughs> oh, Africa. And after they have built the infrastructure in your country, 
Why do you think they build the infrastructure? Chinese are not stupid. So they're building this infrastructure so that they can take out, not bring in, take out of the continent. And once they've taken out, they tell you, well, you know what? You did not pay for the loan. So now, guess what? We're taking your land. We now own your land. That's what they do. So this is neo-colonialism happening right in front of our eyes. No African leader is speaking about the neo-colonialism and the fact that we are being bought out of our own continent. People tell you to buy. Now, this is an African brother. And I don't know how many of you might have seen the video. But as he stated, everything that he's wearing is burning, bought, made, excuse me, made in Kenya. I say this to say, those leaders, those African leaders, and as he mentioned, the colonialism that is existing in Africa, we need to cut that head off because that head has a certain mindset that's not going to help us in the future. Because if it does continue, and here's the catch, if it does continue, all of the other continents, as they're trying to do now, will own Africa. And the whole country of Africa will be in poverty and will almost have Africa back in slavery based on slave wages. Lady Future, let's clip it. I don't know how y'all gonna take this. And at this point, I really don't care. Because I'm tired of y'all talking about Black Lives Matter when Black Lives Matter don't mean nothing to us as people, as Black people. I watched that video with Tyree Nichols. That brother did not have to lose his life. That young brother did not have to lose his life. And you know who killed him? Four other brothers. And we walking around here talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it hurts when the other race kill us, white people kill us. But it hurts even more when your own brothers kill you. When your own brothers take your life. Take away the uniforms. Take away your career, your job, the whole nine. You're still black at the end of the fucking day. Don't preach Black Lives Matter to me because I'm tired of hearing it too. I see change. Our black brothers is killing each other. Rather, it's cops, gang members, your own family members, your friends, you know. We are killing each other. But we get mad when other race killers. Before you say Black Lives Matter, you need to realize and feel it in your heart that it matters to you. Because if it matter, we will not be walking around here killing each other. They killed that brother like... Listen. You know, I'm sure many of you can hear the passion in their sister's voice. And that's why the black man and the black woman, we really need each other. Um, one, she's sounding the alarm. And this is not the first time we've all heard this. But at what point do we listen? We continue to talk about this because just like most people, you could have 10 people lined up talking about the same subject. The 10 people may use different verbiage. But there'll be the, either the ninth one that you listen to. You might listen to the third one. But at the end of the day, we really need to look at ourselves. And this is another sign and proof that the absence of the African-American man is missing in the community. Because when they're talking about killing, they're not talking about African-American women killing African-American women when we have this conversation. We're talking about men. Lady Future, let's slip it. College for free, because we know how much is needed. Because I know how much I wish I had somebody to tell me who to watch out for and how to do things the right way so we ain't wasting time running on a treadmill and figuring out how to empower each other instead of going against each other. And I wish there was a man there to tell me how to be a man. Because a lot of men just be like, yo, I ain't talking to these young dudes. And then they wonder why the young dudes is bugging. We supposed to come and educate these people so they don't make the same mistakes, not mm -hmm. judge them. And that's the problem right now. We ain't teaching each other. We all trying to fucking run for the plug. Everybody trying to protect the plug. Why? If we do it together, we the plug. And I've been saying this shit for years, and everybody says I'm crazy. If you're going to tell the truth, you better be ready to fight. 
period. But if you soft, you're going to look the other way. And you got to live with yourself. I'm not judging you. I'm just not built that way. My existence and everything I've done, all I've been on this planet as an adult reflects that. As I learn, I teach. And I never hide the plug. I give it away. I'm an OG. I give it away for free. We gave away. Again, we hear the same thing again. <clears throat> and a lot of my beliefs, a lot of my vision is shared based on many of these clips. But as I stated before, it depends on who's communicating and the respect that we have for that person, or better yet, if they have your ear or not. But at the end of the day, if the African-American man does not go back to the community, start to build it, and actually the truth of the matter is, you need to atone for it, your absence. Because everything that's happening right now is based on your absence. Lady Future, let's clip it. There's no place in black America you can go and find the four essential institutions needed for a community. Bank, school, supermarket, hospital. And you know why that's ironic? Last year, Black America in 2016, we spent $2 billion on Air Jordans, $4 billion on liquor and alcohol, $600 million on fast food, and we spent, we bought twice the amount of Mercedes Benzes as white America, although white America has twice the wealth of black women. So the question becomes, why, what is it about the Mercedes Benz that makes it so attractive to African Americans even when they can barely afford it? And it's because it's a status symbol. That's all. And one thing we know about oppressed people, when you can't enjoy true freedom, you surround yourself with the symbols of that freedom. Absolutely. And that's why the Louis bag is so important. That's why our children will care kill for Air Jordans. It's not the sneaker, it's what it represents. And if I believe I'm worthless, that means I can only add value to myself by what I put on my body as opposed to what I put in it. You know, that's an interesting point. But again, if you have a father in your house, and I'll give you an example of my own personal upbringing. Um, during the summertime, August, and it's ironic that it's August, but typically school starts in September. So in August, what are the parents doing? School, I got to get my school clothes. I got to get my school clothes. Well, most of my friends had nice shoes. I mean, they had the, the sharp shoes, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, I had these shoes from thrifties or I, I kind of forget Sears. And my dad would always try to tell me, and I felt like he was giving me an excuse. But then as time went on, he was right on point. But the point I'm making is I had a father that was telling me to look at it differently. See, when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, if you buy expensive shoes, within two to three months, you're going to outgrow them. But he showed me his feet. And because he had shoes like that, what the shoes did to his feet, he says, I don't want that to happen to you, son. You're at the age where you're growing. So you're going to grow out of these shoes, okay, and have to give them away. Now, having to give them away because I had a younger brother. So, you know, most black people, when you got a family, you know that word, hand-me-downs. So that's important for a father to feel that way because I, to teach you to think that way. So I never felt less of myself. But if I didn't have my father there to share that with me, I would think like the way these other people think. And I'm fortunate. Lady Future, let's clip it. Ability to solve our own problems. But guess what? External locus of control. I'm not taking no responsibility for the destiny of black black community. I want the United States government to take responsibility for the destiny of the black community. If we really care, we could revolutionize our reality right now with the $2 trillion that we already have at our disposal. We're the richest group of black people in the world in terms of income. We're the 10th richest economic power on the planet. That is no excuse to not have no independent institutions. And the reason why we don't have none is most black people are not interested in being free. They're interested in being comfortable. And we have to understand this point. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to be free. When we get upset at white folks and we riot and we have our marches and our rebellions, that is not done out of an energy of wanting emancipation. That is being done out of an energy where we are being denied participation. 
We want white people to accept us. That is the goal for most black people. We don't want our own anything. We don't want a black Wall Street. We want white folks to let us coexist with them. We have the economic... Again, I'm sure we hear this over and over the same thing. But again, if you look back in our history, we're a nation of tribal individuals. And we depend on the leadership to have our best interests at hand because we're more close closer to God and nature and the earth. Go back into history and think about it. Go look at the kings. Why do you think there's so many nations? Those nations trust the leadership, but somewhere along the line, money has influenced the leadership of Africa when Africa's leadership should really influence any negative element that comes to our homeland. And I will talk about that in other shows in the near future. Now this next clip, listen closely to what this guy is saying. Lady Future, let's clip it. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes, which means you are five times more likely to kill yourself if you are going up without a dad. 90% of all homeless runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who grow up with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. We are 20 times more likely to have a behavioral disorder if we grew up without a father figure. 80% of all rapists come from fatherless homes. We are 14 times more likely to rape somebody if we grew up without a dad. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, we are nine times more likely to drop out of school if we don't have a father figure at home. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. It will not go well with us if we do not have good male role models and healthy father figures. 90% of American inmates are men, 75% of which grew up without a father. 63 um, I don't know what other stats you need to hear. The importance having two things, the African-American man present in the African-American community and having an African-American father within the African-American community. You can't get any more clear than this, and I don't know how we can continue to turn our head. And later on in the show, you will start to hear clippings that I have regarding that absence. Lady Future, let's clip it. So I won't have to pay any taxes. I don't. I can get free land. I can get you know free health care. I can get. I can get. I can have a federal Indian bureau. I want a federal Black bureau, where the federal Indian bureau in Washington D.C. now appropriates on a an act, on an actuality of about about twenty six thousand dollars a year for every Indian in the United States. When you when the largest tribe of Indians in the United States, let's take the Cherokee. You got about one hundred and fifty thousand Cherokee Indians. The United States government gives them approximately one hundred and seventy million dollars a year. I want to be treated like Indians. And what I want this country to do is to classify blacks the same way you classified Indians, put them into a special category and, and then turn around and give us land. We got a lot of land in, in, in the Department of Agriculture and in the Department of Internal Affairs, uh, internal uh, land ownership. I want black folk to go to those land bureaus and get land in this country. We never got to 40 acres and you give us that land. I want black folk to also be el eligible to be able to get to, to have build gambling casinos on Treat black folk the way you treat Indians. Again, we have this brother Claude Anderson, deep brother. He understands the government system. But why isn't he promoted? Why isn't he promoted? And he's promoting on his own. But the knowledge that this brother has is unreal. And I am so indebted and so grateful that I know this brother, just based on his information, his knowledge, stuff that I never thought about. But the way he communicates it is right there for you. Lady Future, let's clip it. In Benin. Ancient Benin constructed the largest architectural construction in world history. The Wall of Benin, four times the size of the Great Chinese Wall and is also in the 1974 Guinness World Book of Records as the largest architectural construction before the mechanical period. These people in Benin, they lived in so much security, which is in the Edo state of Nigeria. They lived in so much security that they built marvelous mansions and they built them without doors. Think about that. Would you build a mansion in the United States without a door? 
No, no. But they lived in so much security that they did this in ancient Benin. That's a bit of history, because I'm sure many of us don't know about that Great Wall of Benin. I'm sure you know about the Great Wall of China. It was four times that size. But the other part is they built mansion homes with no doors. And I was just talking to a colleague earlier today before I started the show. How close to nature that we are. We are the most peaceful individuals in the world. And I say this to say, when we talk about the Bible and God created man in his own image, well, it's pretty much safe to say that the African-American man is the first man on earth. So we're as close to God as possible. But I always like to say, well, that may be true, but what did they do to Jesus? So they don't really care about how close to nature you are. But if you understand that you are, create that community, and we don't need to exist in other people's community because there isn't any other race that is great as us. Any other race who've gone through what we went through would be extinct, hands down. Just living in the fields alone. Lady Future, let's clip it. The most unprotected one, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. And the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain, yes. We will kill you for our woman. We believe that if the white man will do whatever is necessary to see that his woman gets respect and protection, then you and I will never be recognized as men until we stand up like men and place the same penalty over the head of anyone who puts his filthy hands out to put in the direction of our women. The most disrespectful. That was Malcolm. So that was in the early 60s. So there's a philosophy, and Muhammad Ali used to use this when he boxed. He said, kill the head and the body will follow. So once they took out our major leaders, and that involves Fred Hampton, I don't need to say Martin Luther King, we already know, Malcolm X, Megyer Everts, and this is what stopped the movement. And what you see today is a result of that action toward our leaders. Lady Future, let's clip it. When you have poor schools, you have poor teachers. When you have poor teachers, you get a poor education. And when you get a poor education, you, you are uh, destined to be a, a poor man and a poor woman the rest of your life. Poor education, you can only work on a poor paying job. And that poor paying job enables you to live again in a poor neighborhood. So it's a very vicious cycle. And usually these uh, uh, bad housing conditions result from the fact, as Mr. Gray has pointed out, of absentee landlords, people who are rich and live downtown and let you and I live up here in the shack. Actually, it's a form of 20th century slavery. When you live in a poor neighborhood, you're living in an area where you have to have poor schools. Again, Malcolm X, that's in the 60s, and that brother was deep. Now, this next clip is very interesting because this is a rapper, and like the other entertainers that have made it, listen to how <clears throat> this brother communicates on how you can make it. Because most of the time when you see all these other entertainers, they're showing you all the money they made, blah, 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 so on and so forth, but they don't show you how they got there. They just rub it in your face. Now, I like this brother because he's down to earth. Lady Future, let's clip it. DGA, can't say it like I want to say it because Facebook and TikTok will block me. But I'll tell you, you got to be a real N-I-G-G-A, never it and getting goals accomplished. When you don't know something, you'll be it into it. You research it, you search the knowledge on it, you read up on it, and you get educated on it. Then you set your goals and you get them accomplished. See, these rappers, they're going to show you the money. But me... <laughs> I'm going to show you the money and tell you how to get the money. That's what set me apart with my music. But in the end of the day, 
Let me show you what you can do with an 800 credit score, Jit. You can take that 800 credit score, go get to a private lender, as long as you got a good job and your income to debt ratio is up, get about 50K from a private lender or a bank. Take 25 of that 50K, go on out there in the country and buy your acre of land. Spend 25K on the acre of land, take the other 25, put it in your pocket. Now, this is how it get real good. If that acre got land, if it got trees on it, chop those trees down because it's a shortage on lumber and sell those trees and get you another 250 G's. Now, with that acre of land, depending on how it's structured and how it's zoned, you can lot it out. Charge people to park their trailers on there for $1,000, $1,500 a month. Now you got your thirty-four dollars to $40,000 income residual coming in. Pay that loan back off, walk off with more money in your pocket. Don't let them play you for no sucker jet. Run it up. Now, he did hit some things that most of us African-American people don't have. And I'll say this more toward the African-American man. He did say 800 credit score. <clears throat> but I feel like maybe 750 to 800. And then if you have a good job, make sure you don't miss that part and find a lender. Now, so you got to work toward that. So you got to get a decent credit score. You got to get a decent job. And you got to have decent credit history in order for somebody to give you the loan. After you get that, everything that brother said, that's all you got to do. Lady Future, let's clip it. Of knowledge. Ignorance is our worst enemy. And as long as ignorance prevails in our communities, our enemies will always be able to manipulate our ignorance and make us destroyers of ourselves. In the book of Hosea, my there's not much to add to that, but as I've heard some people say, ignorance is bliss. Well, it may be bliss for some other people, but in the African community, we can no longer afford to be ignorant because the way things are changing, technology is changing, uh, AI is evolving at a fast, fast rate, where they will have automation do the jobs that you could have been doing physically. And we're sleeping at the wheel. Lady Future, let's clip it. Why is black women one separate entity and black men are another separate entity? That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how any other race operates, but we're the only ones who operate like that and think it's functional. You feel me? I've said it before. Why do we get the label of strong, independent black woman? We don't hear that from nobody else. I've never heard strong, independent white woman, strong, independent Asian woman, strong, independent Latino woman, strong, independent Indian woman. I never heard none of that. But we pride ourselves being strong, independent black women, as if independence is something that we should strive for as a people. Independence is death. Everybody needs somebody. And the reason why we're struggling in our households and our communities is because we think that there's something good about being independent. Black women need black men, and black men need black women. I don't see it so separate. Why do we have to separate ourselves? Now, this is what I want to say, and this is the part that I have to, again, African-American men, the reason why our women have to be strong and independent, because you're absent from the community. That wasn't like that years ago, but it's like that now. And that's the greatness of our sisters. The only reason why we're as far as we are because they stayed with us. They stayed the course. And you may not necessarily like the communication. You may not necessarily like the, um, the approach. But at the end of the day, if you were in the community, like the Asian man, like the Hispanic man, like the Indian man, we wouldn't be talking about strong, independent African-American women. Again, I cannot convey this enough. You own this. And again, whatever happens in the future, and I don't care how many times I say it, at the end of the day, when I get enough people to join that see the same thing that I'm looking at, you will see this thing change. And you talking about the sisters been holding it up under the worst conditions of any nationality. Can you imagine what would happen? If we just elevated ourselves and protected our women, we would change this thing in a decade. Black man, you need to wake up and take your position. Lady Future, let's clip it. Look at this. 
Six hours, our black dollars stay in the black community. Look at the comparison between our community and every other race. Our own black dollars don't stay in our own black community for a full day before it leaves to every other race. It's currently in 2021, look at this, $1.5 trillion. Every other race is getting the benefit from our dollars and building economic wealth for their communities at our expense. Those days are over. We are taking that $1.5 trillion for ourselves. Of course, we need to support Black-owned businesses. But our unity is going to bring back this money into our control. So we have a national Black treasury that already exists. Black people can start putting our money collectively into a national treasury where we can buy land and farm and end the suffering of our people. Follow me for more because I'm going in on this topic. People, this is what they don't want you to see. Again, I mean, I can't say it enough. If the African-American man just went back to the community and said, I'm sorry, can you imagine what that would do to the African-American woman? She's been there. And those of you that came up during the 60s, you know what I'm talking about. And for the next couple of clips, I'm going to continue to talk about the same thing and the impact. Lady Future, let's clip it. African preachers is the political and economic behavior of black churches. Any institution that collects millions of dollars from black people year in and out must be politically and economically accountable to black people. If you are taking money, then you can't justify that purely with emotional entertainment. It does not cost money to save souls. It does not cost money to preach the gospel. It does not cost money to prepare people to die. There is no entry fee to heaven. So if you are collecting tithes and offering weekly, you must build affordable institutions for the community in which you extort, such as banks to invest in the people, schools to educate the people, hospitals to save the people, and supermarkets to feed the people. Period. This is Timely Tales. I don't think there's anything else to say. You can't come after a pastor. So I'll, I'll let that ride. Lady Future, let's clip it. It's even when I go into the JDC, when I have boys looking at me telling me, I can make five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars a day or more in three hours, stealing your gun out your car, robbing you, getting real quick, and then I'm at home chilling and I'm on the Xbox, I'm on the PS5 for the rest of the day chilling while you are here busting your butt every day to work. I can make this in a few hours. Mm. What do you tell that kid? My mama's struggling, we're hungry, but I can go out here in three hours, get the money, feed my mama, and our life's not gonna be off. And you telling me to go to school, work hard. You're a college graduate. You're a teacher and you struggling. I had boys tell me I'd rather live 25 years and kick it and have everything I want than struggle for 70. Wow. What do you tell that kid? I don't know. My mama can't afford to put Jordans on my feet. Mm -hmm. But I can go out here and make one hit and I can buy Jordans for all my siblings. And they don't care if they lose their life or anything. No, they're not afraid. And that's why I'm afraid. Cause they really this is what I was talking about earlier when I said ignorance. If that's not the most ignorant commentary and culture way of thinking, I don't know what is. And in fact, it's past ignorance because they think that way. So it's not like they don't know. That is what you call stupidity at its highest level. And I definitely don't want to uh, dignify that with a response. Lady Future, let's clip it. This has to do with the congressional map in Louisiana. CNN's Jessica Snyder joins us with the latest here, Jessica. What happened? Yeah, John, the Supreme Court saying that to prepare for 2024, they'll send this case back down to the lower court. This is a move that will likely lead to Louisiana's congressional maps being redrawn. Notably, this will be the second southern state ordered to redraw maps after black voters said that they were disenfranchised because of the way that the voting maps were configured. So the Supreme Court sending this case back down to the lower court, and this is after a decision earlier this month where they did uphold Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act and earlier this month, they ordered Alabama's congressional maps to be redrawn ahead of 2024. So now this is involving the Louisiana maps. And this dispute resulted because only one out of the six voting districts there were initially drawn to be majority black. And that, that map held for 2022, despite the fact that black voters in the state make up 33% of the state's population. So black voters arguing that they should have at least uh, had two of the six districts as majority black so that they were fairly represented in elections. And John, all of this significant because the Supreme Court's ruling upholding Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, this really could lead to minorities, other disenfranchised voters, getting a chance to challenge maybe more voting maps in court 
as we move forward and move toward the 2024 election, John. It is very interesting to see a second southern state now have to go back and redraw those maps. Jessica. This is what I mean when we can't afford to be ignorant. This is what's going on in the southern states. And so why would they try to gerrymander um, the voting and gerrymander the, the maps? The reason for that is, one, you're asleep so they can get this done. Two, you always vote Democrat. So now all they have to do is rather than giving you two precincts, two electrical, electoral, they'll only give you one. So that's a shoe-in for the Republicans to be in office in the next generation, if need be. So again, this is what we call ignorance and you sleep at the wheel. And this is where black men, you sleep at the wheel. We need your leadership. And I can assure you that it was our educated sisters are the ones that caught on to this and said, we're not having it. Lady Future, let's clip it. What are y'all, Amos and Andy? You step in and he's fetching? I'm talking about the message, what it stands for. It's called gentrification. It's what happens when the property value of a certain area is brought down. Huh? You listening? Yeah. To bring the property value down. They can buy the land at a lower price, then they move all the people out, raise the property value, and sell it at a profit. Now what we need to do is we need to keep everything in our neighborhood, everything, black. Black owned with black money. Just like the Jews, the Italians, the Mexicans, and the Koreans do. Ain't nobody from outside bringing down the property value. It's these folks shooting each other and selling that crack rock and shit. Well, how you think the crack rock gets into the country? We don't own any planes. We don't own no ships. But we are not the people who are flying and floating that shit in here. I know every time you turn on the TV, that's what you see. Black people selling the rock, pushing the rock, pushing the rock. Yeah, I know. But that wasn't a problem as long as it was here. Wasn't a problem until it was in Iowa and it showed up on Wall Street where there are hardly any black people. If you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit. But they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all. Young brothers like yourselves. What am I supposed to do? Fool roll up, try to smoke me? Shoot the motherfucker if he don't kill me first. You're doing exactly what they want you to do. You have to think, young brother, about your future. Huh? Why don't y'all take a look at that sign up there? See what it says? Cash for your home? You know what that is? As many of you can recognize the voice, that's Lawrence Fishburne. Now, the clip is from Boys in the Hood. That movie was in 1991, so that's 30 years ago. Now, the movie was in 1991, but that culture and that way of thinking really started in 1980. So now that's 40 years ago. We're almost at a half century. And where's the vision of where we're going to be in the next future, or shall I say in the next century? Lady Future, let's clip it. 2009 black judges in america now here's the thing (laughs) that means that this black judge gains 14 billion dollars a year 14 billion dollars a year black judges if this fact is true it gets 1.1 billion dollars a month and 250 million dollars every sunday listen to me we are unemployed we are the most uh we're the least entrepreneurial people in the in the world but black churches in america wait, wait, wait 250 million a sunday and you somebody explained to me how that one is real 450 billion from 1980 to 2009 black church 
I mean, there's nothing else to say. Where's the money? And our communities definitely don't demonstrate the investment in the community. So it's going somewhere. And I don't want to hear this talk about state and church. We're not the same people as everybody else. We need the churches. And the churches, in some cases, are worse than the African-American man. Lady Future, let's clip it. Uh, yeah, I'm getting old. And Bob Schaefer looked at me and said, don't you ever say that again. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, you're number one, you're not old. And he said, number two, everything important in my life happened after 65. <laughs> it had never occurred to me because black people don't think like that. We think once we get a certain age, we should be sitting over in the corner uh, eating sweet potato pie and, and, and somebody come get your plate for you when it's over. <laughs> we don't think like we should run for president at 70-something. Young people need to hear this. If it didn't happen in your 30s, if it didn't happen in your 40s, even if it didn't happen in your 50s, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Make sure that you're getting everything out of where you are at the stage you're at. And if you're not seeing movement, disrupt it if it doesn't work. Disrupt it. I was at Again, we have so many different people talking, communicating, advocating what we should do. But again, when the African-American man is not present, and when the African-American man is ignorant, and those that are in those positions, and I always like to say, those that are in their position of influence and have resource, you actually don't know how to build a community. And therein lies many of our challenges. We have to run our community like a business. Lady Future, let's clip it. Richard King reveals that the core of the human brain is the locus coeruleus, which is a structure that is black because it contains large amounts of neuromelanin, which is essential for its operation. Two, black infants sit, crawl, and walk sooner than whites. Three, Carol Barnes notes that human mental processes are controlled by melanin, that same chemical which gives blacks their superior physical and mental abilities. Four, some scientists have revealed that most whites are unable to produce melanin because their pineal glands are often calcified or non-functioning. Pineal calcification rates with Africans are 5 to 15 percent, Asians 15 to 25 percent, and Europeans 60 to 80 percent. This is the chemical basis for the cultural differences between blacks and whites. And five, melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured based on Eurocentric standards, end quote. Let that sink in. Melanin endows black people with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities. Uh, checkmate, don't listen to me. And like Richard Pryor always said, it must be true, because it's said by a white man. So it must be true. Lady Future, let's clip it. Often on the, on the floor with this new contract. Well, that's a great question. I want to launch a project to bring um, Black Wall Street here to Boston. I want to attack the wealth disparity here. Um, I think there's analytics that supports that, you know, stimulating the wealth gap could actually be something that could be betterment for the entire economy. With the biggest financial deal in NBA history, it makes sense to talk about one year investment in community, but two also, you know, the wealth disparity here that nobody wants to talk about. It's top five in the U.S. It's something that we can all improve on. It's, it's unsettling. And I think through my platform, through influential partners, through selected leaders, government officials, a lot who are in this room, um, that we can come together and create new jobs, new resources, new businesses, new ideas that could you know, highlight minorities, but also stimulate the economy and the wealth gap at the same time. Uh, I think that could be a mix of commercial entities, real estate, residentials as well. Boston could be you know, a fully integrated, self-sufficient you know, hub, you know, attacking minorities and stimulating the wealth gap. I think Boston could be a pilot, not just for wealth disparity here in the U.S., but also for around the world. So you ask me what I wanted to do or what I want to do. Um, one, I want to, you know, attack that wealth gap here in Boston, create a project. Um, also, I want to help stimulate the overall economy, and I want to bring Black Wall Street here to Boston. What do you plan to do? Now, that's one African-American NBA player, that's Jalen Brown. 
and I'm sure many of you heard the news press, but the fact that he was strong enough and confident enough to speak on it on social national media, and he hit it on all points. So I don't need to elaborate. The only thing I need to know is where are the rest of the NBA players with that same mindset? Lady Future, let's clip it. He says he was attacked outside his store. He says he yelled at a man to stop urinating on his trash can and then he sucker punched. His Instagram post about the incident has now gone viral. I'm fed up with this goddamn city. It's like, I can't just be outside and just running a business without getting punched in the goddamn face. It shouldn't be this way at all. Like, this isn't how our city should be. Now, it's not clear what was said before the altercation or whether there's even video of it. But San Francisco police have said they are investigating. It comes as some stores are locking up everything from coffee to frozen food to try to combat theft. Our Kyung Law visited one Walgreens that's hit by shoplifters more than a dozen times a day. It happened three times while she was inside. Ricky Greenberg walked into a San Francisco Walgreens when he saw in the frozen food section this. Chains, heavy chains that went from padlock to padlock on both sides of the doors. And this was bizarre, something I've never seen before. This is just more icing on the cake telling us that rampant crime is is has become a regular part of life. So typical that in the 30 minutes we were at this Walgreens, we watched three people, including this man, steal. Did that guy pay? Did that guy pay? He didn't pay. Walgreens says this Richmond neighborhood store with aisles of products like mustard, lots behind plexiglass, has the highest theft rate of all their nearly 9,000 U.S. stores, hit more than a dozen times a day. When thieves turned to cleaning out ice cream and frozen burritos, workers grew so frustrated they resorted to the chains. They were ordered down by corporate because of the negative messaging. Now, Richmond is highly African-American. And one of my favorite sayings or statements if this is going on now in year 2023, what is it going to be like in 2045, which is a little over 20 years from now? Then I like to add, what is it going to be like in 2065 in our communities? Because if we're stealing like this right now, this is not going in the other direction. It's escalating. Lady Future, let's clip it. When people don't want you, with money you don't have, in a place you don't own, excuse my friends, about shit that don't matter. Stop renting uptown and decide to buy downtown. Let me tell you something. I want you to, I want you to buy the worst house on the best block in the hood, D-A hyphen H-O-O-D, the hood. It's called inner cities. An inner city in France is called Paris. Everybody's, everybody loves our communities but us. Buy it, listen now, rehab it and rent it. Do not sell. Real estate values have never gone down in American history, ever. Stop speaking. And that's Brother John Hope Bryant. Now, he's trying to educate you. But when you hear this passion in our African-American community and our educated black men, our educated sisters, they're beginning to see the trend. But what we're not talking about is what it's going to look like if we don't make this change. And that's what this show is all about. Look into the future. It's only going to get worse. Lady Future, let's clip it. Run away from us because when they made our parents afraid to discipline the children, then what happened? We found out that the teachers were afraid of the principals. The principals were scared of the superintendents. Superintendent was scared of the school board. School board was scared of the parents. Parents were scared of the children. And the children ain't scared of nobody. All I can say is checkmate. Lady Future, let's clip it. Guns, we love to call our women bitches, and we love to call them hoes. We love to call each other nigger, and we tried to make nigger acceptable. How could a nigger be acceptable? Except in your mind. Listen to me good. See, in the 60s, the language changed 
And when the language changed, the behavior changed. We didn't call each other nigger. We called each other brother. We didn't call each other bitch. We called each other sister. So when you call your sister, sister, and your brother, brother, then you got to stop thinking, if this is my brother, can I kill my brother? Can I rob my brother? But a bitch I can kill and a whore I can sell. We now love. Again, you're beginning to hear the passion and it's getting greater and greater. And that is true. And when we call our sisters sisters, that was the other form of calling them a queen. But we wanted our own verbiage. But when we spoke to one another, it was out of pure respect. Lady Future, let's clip it. Am I tripping? Really? Your enemy is not sleep like you. This enemy is 24-7, 365 and one-fourth days on the clock. He has an A and a B team. He has a night and day shift. He got a swing shift. He got a graveyard shift. And we are sitting here acting as if we just going to clap today and say, Juneteenth, we are free. No, the word emancipation means I free you from my hand, but not from my control. Your enemy is still very much alive. The mindset is still alive, which means the mindset of your ancestors must become resurrected. Sears 2025. They're calling this the severe epidemic introvirus respiratory syndrome. They said by 2025, a pandemic is going to pop up. What does that mean? They're going to make it happen. What does that mean? We are going to be on the defensive again. Oh, y'all getting nervous, huh? The enemy is convincing us to kill ourselves with all of these different things. The next thing they're going to come out with is another set of vaccines. They already have them approved. But my question is, how do we go from saying assalamu alaikum, peace, black power, shalom, to Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson? Am I hurting your feelings? The reality is we're all lied to, is that right? This is not a yeah, we told you type of moment because we all have family who suffered from this. Would you believe me if I told you that your sister who passed didn't pass from just random cancer? Would you believe me if I told you that they are doing studies and one study in Japan and one study in Korea are now stating that these shots and particularly Pfizer have increased heart attack? What are we- Again, these are the things that are happening. And again, you can hear the passion in the brother. And this brother's talking about the future of what's going to happen based on what's going on now. Now, for the next two clips, play them one right after the another. I want you to listen to what the news is talking about. And for the life of me, whatever you say, do not tell me it's not black people. Lady Future, let's clip it. Why is that such an important cause of action? Well, the whole approach is, uh, is a public health approach to addressing public safety in our community, meaning we should have uh, trauma-informed care, access to recreation, uh, mentors, uh, just the things that residents need in addition to responsible policing. I think that uh, we are in a crisis when it comes to uh, the violence in D.C. We've had, what, 596 carjackings. We've had over 1,700 people shot in the district in the last three years. Um, and what we're doing is simply not enough to make people feel and be safe in the district. Um, and we're looking to have the conversation with the new police chief. In fact, we're on our third police chief since mm -hmm. 2020 uh, and the mayor to figure out ways we can be more proactive about addressing crime in the District of Columbia, including uh, and, and reaching out to our local uh, National Guard to get involved. And that's an issue also because D.C. is the only jurisdiction that the governor or mayor doesn't invoke the National Guard. And I think that speaks to the issue of statehood as well. I mean, the issue of statehood. <laughs> I'm a black man born and raised in Oakland. When I walk out the house every day, I want to be safe. So if that calls for some, whoever commits the crime, to be prosecuted, so be it. But we want it to be fair and just. Darren White is with the NAACP Oakland branch, which penned an open letter to their city, blaming failed leadership, the defund the police movement, and anti-police rhetoric for creating a heyday for Oakland criminals. We're not trying to say, you know, mass incarceration and arrest everyone. We want the people that are out here committing these violent crimes arrested and charged. Do we need more cops on the street? Yes, we do need more. Every, every community needs police. Flanked by partners in the city, Oakland's interim police chief Darren Allison says Oakland is taking a comprehensive approach to fighting crime. They all say that the crime feels different now. Why is that? So I think because it is pervasive, not just localized, 
or you may have historically seen maybe gang group violence, but I think that feeling uh, has become that it's, it's, it's everywhere. From cops to crime prevention, funded for 712 officers, Allison says he has 715 on staff. So what you're seeing is changes in bail, changes in sentencing. Are you saying you need Tucker punishment on the back end? It's, it's everything. It's not just enforcement and punishment. I think accountability comes in many forms. Now, we did hear from Oakland's mayor, who was not available to speak with us on camera. She said, similar to what you heard from the police chief there, that the focus is not completely on enforcement, but on prevention and looking at the root causes of crime, looking at housing, education, and employment. We also did reach out. You know, this is where I get really frustrated when I hear the unemployment. And again, all of this is the absence of the African-American man and the African-American father not raising your boys. Because I know you don't think these are kindergarten kids and kindergarten boys running around doing this. These are boys that are 15, 16, 17 years old. And again, if they're doing this in 2023 and there's no immediate change, we're going to be in economic slavery. And I'm telling you, it's coming. Lady Future, let's clip it. Sports are overemphasized in the black community. And I think this ties into a legacy coming from slavery where black men and black women were there. Our worth was determined on our physical attributes. And to a large extent, it's still the same way now. If you are an athlete, the way in which your worth is determined is identical to the way in which the worth of an enslaved African was determined. It was your output, your strength, how fast you could work, you look at the NFL combine, you look at the NBA workouts, it's nothing but a slave plantation. The only difference is you're being paid money. But the power differential between a slave and a slave master and the power differential between the NBA player and the NBA owner or the NFL player and the NFL owner is the exact same as the power differential between a slave and his master. The only difference is they are given money that allows them to live a comfortable life outside of the plantation. But beyond that, it is the same thing as slavery. They don't have no voice. They're afraid, they're timid. Their behavior is strictly controlled. It is slavery. And the only reason why we don't see professional sports as slavery is because the amount of money that they make. And that's because we equate money with power. Money is not power. Money buys you access. Power gives you the ability to control outcomes. These athletes do not control outcomes and most of them don't even control their own lives. Again, you're hearing the same thing over and over again, but differently. And there's plenty of truth to that statement. Now, even myself, when I'm speaking to my colleagues, one of the favorite things I usually say in a statement I usually say is that we're missing cultural collectivity. But as I continue my personal journey and trying to help my community and do my part, now the new saying is we need the cultural collectivity movement because we're past talking about it. If we don't have a movement like we did in the 60s, it's going to be checkmate, and there's no way that we can reverse the direction that it's going in, simply because by 2065, anybody born in the 50s, the 60s, and almost the 70s is not going to be here. So who's going to be driving the African-American community? It'll be the millennials and the centennials. And based on what's going on right now, all the shootings, the rappers getting killed, they're in their 20s and they're in their 30s. Lady Future, let's clip it. Because a father's a mountain. When you think about your father, that's the mountain you have to conquer in life. It gives you strength to conquer that mountain. Some people may never do it. Some people go to the middle of the mountain. Some people get to the top, they plant a flag. They've surpassed their father. The father's yeah. job is not to make their son like them, it's to make it better. Right. But when you have an absent father, that mountain becomes smaller. So sometimes your father can do something, you don't look at him the same. That, that mountain becomes a hill, there's distance, right? Mm -hmm. Your father can be dead to you. That mountain becomes a rock. Then it get broken down into dust. It don't feel nothing from it. Now you can't gain nothing from it. Now you're looking for that in the world because that's that strength you need. And so without those mountains being in people's lives, they don't know how to gain and get that. So they look for it everywhere else. And everywhere else, most of the time, it's somewhere toxic. So this is why you have an imbalanced society because it's a lack of masculine men in society. Father is so important because a father- And as we end the show, again, I cannot communicate 
the importance of the African-American man and the African-American father. And it's important that we understand that. And anybody listening to the show, all of the listeners, even if you don't agree with the show, even if you don't see eye to eye, I ask that you share this with your social media group. And again, thank you for your time. This is the end of the show. Enjoy the rest of the month in August. Peace.